Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. All right, Wizards fans, welcome into another Believe in Wizards podcast. I think we have a super fun episode for you here today. Obviously, the regular season ended for the Wizards and the playoffs are going on right now and we're not in them. So that could be depressing, but I think we've got a lot of really fun stuff to talk about uh, this offseason. And I, I think tonight's conversation is kind of the first of a couple of really good ideas uh, You know, we've got coming out for you. This is one I've been thinking about doing for a while. So I've got Osmond Begg from Bullets Forever. And Kevin and Ron from So Wizards Podcast on here tonight to talk about uh, the Wizards draft picks over the last decade, basically. So not just who they took, but who they didn't take. Uh, you know, everybody knows that hindsight is twenty twenty. So who should the Wizards have taken uh, with each of their respective picks? Or in some cases, did they actually kind of make the right pick? We'll give them some credit. Maybe that's the case in some situations. I guess we'll find out over the next hour or so here. But yeah, realistically, we just wanted to redraft each of the last 10 drafts from the Wizards perspective. And kind of the notion here was to take people or suggest people they should have taken instead. They were actually realistic targets at that draft slot. So if they picked at nine and their pick didn't necessarily work out, we're talking about the guys that were theoretically in that draft range, not if somebody went 51st, but really popped later on. Like every team in the league missed at that point. We're not going to hammer the Wizards for you know, something everybody got wrong. But if somebody went three slots later, that was obviously a way better player. Those are the kind of people that, you know, we want to cover in this episode. So we've got a lot of different perspectives for you here. So I think this will be a really fun, interesting one for you. And uh, yeah, we'll just go from there. But first, let's hear from uh, one of our sponsors, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. With that, let's just get right into the conversation here. I think we could go for hours on this one. Uh, we limited it to just the last decade, like I said, and, and that'll definitely take long enough. So just stay tuned. I, I think this will be a really fun conversation. might be depressing at times, but I, at the very least, I think the masochists that we are as a fan base will, will find this uh, entertaining. All right, let's hit it. All right, everybody, welcome in here. I teased in the little intro here that uh, I'd have Oz, Kevin, and Ron joining us. Ron is not with us. I, I think we were overwhelming him with how much um, I was over texting the group uh, with uh, terrible draft picks and and rage uh, about this. So we'll get into the topic here, but for everybody, uh, we're basically redrafting for the Wizards essentially over the last decade. So we're going to say who they took and who they should have taken or who they could have taken and just kind of beat this thing up and put our hindsight 2020 vision to, uh, to full use here. So guys, let's start in 2012 with the Bradley Beal draft. Uh, so obviously with the third pick, the, the Wizards took Bradley Beal for his career, 20 points, four rebounds, four assists, 37-ish percent three-point shooter, just sub-50 win shares. So 
I can throw out some candidates here that they could have taken. You guys can throw out some names I miss. Uh, I guess I guess we can figure out how we we do this on the fly here. But you know the the Beal pick I, I think is probably not super con- controversial. He's been pretty good. The guys that went sort of in that range after him that are noteworthy: Dame Lillard. And realistically, there's kind of kind of a big drop off from from those two guys. Is there anyone else in that realm that you guys think of that that should have been you know mentioned in that range? I guess. When I looked at this draft, I mean, same thing. I mean, th- this was like very early in my whole Yoda, mm-hmm. um, you know, my draft and <laughs> stat stat based draft analysis, and I had Beal third in that draft, mm-hmm. and you know, I it was one. It and was two. like yeah. I don't remember off the top of my head who was even. In I'm guessing draft. Davis so was, had to be Anthony Davis had to be one. If, right? if Anthony that Davis seems straightforward, draft, yeah, yeah, he he absolutely was the number one, and then I'd have to pull up that draft. Thomas again Robinson to. Who else? Who else? I'm guessing. I'm guessing Thomas Robinson. No, Thomas Robinson guess. was ranked down. So I think I may have. I think I may have actually had Kid, Kid Gilchrist ahead of him. I'd have to go back and take a look um, at that because this draft. I mean, you look at it. It's kind of the poo-poo platter of wreckage. I'm not wreckage. That's not fair. But it's just like Kid Gilchrist obviously did not like turn out very good. Turns out that shooting with your elbow across on the wrong side of your face is um, <laughs> and the other hand in front of the ball somehow yeah, d- d- it's somehow that doesn't work very well but no when I looked at this draft the only guy I could have seen taking ahead of Beal was was Lillard and at the time I I mean I had Lillard rated high sure. but I wouldn't I would have picked Beal so I think yeah. th- this is one that you would have to say they got right at the top of the draft yeah, I definitely. Where I think they got it wrong in the second <laughs> round. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think the first round is easy. They're actually pretty fortunate that Charlotte passed on Beal and took Kid Gilchrist. I think, and they used to do a good job, whoever was on the beat, I think it was Michael Lee with the post, always kind of knowing what the big board looked like. I think what I had heard, and you guys could correct me if I'm wrong, I think Harrison Barnes was next up in case mm-hmm. Beal was gone. I remember so they, they would not have him, gone. They liked I him. I think next. they had brought him in for a workout leading up to the draft, like a private workout, like that draft week. So Beal was gone. Harrison Barnes would have been the pick and he would have been a solid pick, not nearly as good as Beal. Mm-hmm. After that, it's kind of like, I'll admit, like, and I think this is a good form to kind of admit some of your draft misses. And there was no real rhyme or reason to it. I just love the Thomas Robinson story. And even mm-hmm. like, so I, you know, I was a big fan, but he did not measure out what he needed to measure out to play the position the way that he wanted to play basketball. And there was some um, off-court work off ethic yeah. type stuff there uh, yeah. f- from what I've heard over the years too. Um, yeah. Since we're, we're doing this and, and we're, we're airing all our dirty laundry here, I typically don't like this kind of player, so don't judge me too harshly, but I was <laughs> all in on Andre Drummond being a very, very good NBA player. Uh, and I had seen him early and like at prep school, and I was like, oh my God, this is a freak. Yeah. Like yeah. this is new Dwight Howard. Like this is yeah. this is going to be unreal. Um, and then obviously hasn't quite panned out. It's sort of in fairness to to Drummond. Drummond was, 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 became very good. He became a better pro than I expected him to be, you know, based on, what I, what I'd seen of him, but I think the, the game sort of changed yeah, on him agreed. that if he had been, you know, if he had been around in like 19, if he had come up when Dwight Howard came up, for example, mm-hmm. he might've been a Dwight Howard like figure um, in the league, but th- the league changed and it became much more perimeter perimeter oriented. And it also became much more skills oriented. And Andre Drummond has never been particularly accused of, of being skillful with like 
the, the problem there though, Kev, is is he didn't think that because there's that famous draft story about you know him being asked who he would compare himself to, and he said Kevin Durant. So everyone yeah. knows he's not particularly skilled except Andre Drummond. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he, he joins the long list of big men who uh, delusionally think that they're they can do all kinds of things that they really cannot. So well, we got to move this along to the second round because, like Kevin said, that is the big story on this one. Yeah. Um, as you guys all know, Thomas Tomas Sidereski was the pick. He did not come over for a few years. But yeah, Draymond, Jay Crowder, Chris Middleton, Will mm-hmm. Barton. Even Mike second. Scott, you could argue, has had a better career than Sadoransky, to be honest. Yeah, Mike right. Scott, even yeah. It's close. He's right? had a career. It He's is. had a career. Yeah. It's yeah. like one of those things where you don't want to. In, like what they did is they drafted someone in the second round 10 years ago who was still a capable NBA player. So yeah, on a standalone basis, that would be typically a win for the second round, but it was a second pick of the second round. And there were all these players who had four years of college, like looked like they were ready to contribute. And I think that's just more a bigger issue with the wizards back in the day. And, um, and, and- Kevin, you may know more than this. They never thought that they needed, they used picks to stash because they thought their roster was set and they no one needed to be pushed they were the bizarre it they still do this where they think Mm -hmm. well we have enough talent and so Mm -hmm. we're not going to keep adding and so you know but the thing that got one of the things that got me about that draft is that they picked sadaransky who you know was a good player overseas He, he was a good prospect and you know picking him someplace in the second round would have been perfectly fine even picking him in the second round late i mean he would have been perfect pick for like the spurs who really did have a lot of talent and could have let him sit over there in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, and, but they had sitting there like Jay Crowder at the time. I mean, at the time, the way I ran Yoda at the time, he was, he rated like a top five pick, right? I mean, Crowder was a, an insanely good college basketball player. And, you know, he was a big East player of the year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you just said like, okay, we're going to pick a pretty good player from Europe, or we can pick the big East player of the year. I think most people would just say, not even knowing anything else about the players, you take the biggest player of the year, right? Or you could, so so Crowder, like I said, top 10, even when I like revised and did things with age and all this kind of stuff, he still was like a, a lottery pick in just about mm-hmm. any draft. That's the way he rated. He's been a very solid pro, um, played on a lot of winning teams and that kind of stuff. So, that, But then you had Will Barton, who was another guy I had rated like, you know, again, solid middle first round pick. I loved right? Will Barton. That's going to yeah, be a theme in this podcast, but I love me some <laughs> small, just gunners. Yeah. Yeah. You like those like skinny guys who get shots up. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, and then you had like Draymond Green, who was Michigan state and yeah, there were questions about him. I had him rated as like, I think a late first or an early second. And, you know, now he would probably actually rate a little higher the way I do things, but still the point being, it's like he's a weirdo and he's a freak, but second round is a perfect place to take one of the guys. Or then you got Chris Middleton, right? Who again has become, and I will say Chris Middleton was a little bit more in the mold of a guy who worked on his game and got better. He was, in the he, he's the surprise of that group. I think from what I remember, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, if it was me picking, making that pick, it would have been Crowder for sure. No question sitting there. In it would the have been a win. Round. That's a win. Yeah. yeah. And or huge win. Yeah. Or the next, the next choice on there would have been probably Will Barton. And then after that, it would have been Dre Green, Draymond Green. Now, just for reference, the roster that they could not draft and have anyone push for a roster spot. 
You had Cartier Martin, AJ Price, Gennaro Pargo, Earl Barron, uh, Jordan Crawford, Sean Livingston, Shelvin Mack, Kevin Serafin, uh, Chris Singleton, Don Vesley, Jason Collins. We can't steal shots away from Jordan Crawford. I mean, no. you know, Ian Will Barton would have been too redundant. Literally, that's like a that's like an existential thing. You cannot take <laughs> shots from Jordan Crawford. <laughs> but he dunked on LeBron that time, remember? Yeah, it's true. Uh that that actually hurts. I'm I'm like trying not to laugh too hard, but I'm actually in a little bit of pain. Um, Hold on, can we just pause for just one second, right? So AJ Price is another one of these guys that just cracks me up. And I realize we're supposed to be talking about draft year, but AJ okay. Price is a guy who cracks me up because the Wizards signed him because of basically one number, his defensive on off. Right. Mm -hmm. So they signed him because of that. I was highly dubious of that, but I was like, well, minimum, whatever. Right. He came in and he was actually pretty good as a, as a backup point guard for them. He started some games for him. He wasn't like great, but he was, you know, a pretty solidly below average, but a decent competent backup point guard. They could have brought him back at the league minimum for at least another season until somebody else got a scouting report on him or probably for like several more years. And they just let him leave so they could sign Eric Maynard (laughs) who was far worse. And there was no hope that he could be worse. And they thought they got a steal. There's some definitely some tweets out there of me loving college AJ price. Um, You know, like the, the, maybe even Facebook posts before that. I don't even know that I had Twitter uh, at the time. AJ price was still at UConn, but I I loved that dude. Uh, All right. Here's a question for you guys. How did you feel about Bradley Beal as the pick at the time? I was fine with it. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest Bradley Beal, like, Oh, you know, he's going to be great coming out of coming out of college. I had some like worries that he was going to be like a cross between Randy Foy and Eric Gordon, kind of undersized two guard, you know, but at the same time, given who was there, it was pretty, you know, there seemed to be a consensus. Um, there wasn't anyone else that really stood out. Yeah. The, the only thing that I would say gave me any pause about it. I liked Beal as a player. I thought he was going to be good. Um, you know, I thought that the comps with Ray Allen made a lot of sense. But the only thing that sort of gave me pause was that um, James Harden was on the table in trade, and um, it would have been basically the three, the number three pick, and some stuff. You know, not nothing major for Harden. And my feeling at that point was that Harden, being young, extremely productive, he was still that he was still the sixth man Harden at that point. Mm-hmm. But there were so many indicators that there was more to his game, and it just felt like. Sure, you can take the like 19-year-old kid who might be pretty good in three, four, or five years, whatever, or you could take the guy who's 22 and who's already killing it in the NBA. And um they they decided to go with the young guy with the uh you know the draft pick, which is like okay, you know, you but the, knowing that they could have had James Harden at that time, and especially knowing what Harden did since then. It, it very much is uh, one of those things where it's like, yeah, I kind of wish they would have made that deal. But I, that said, you know, using the pick, I, I would have picked Beal. So maybe my biggest, this is off topic, but maybe my biggest hit and biggest miss in, in drafts came in that Harden year. I guaranteed everybody who would l- listen that year that this James Harden guy is going to be the best player in college basketball this year. And he's going to be the best player in this draft. 
said the only guy that might give him a run for his money is Temple's Deontay Christmas. So um, <laughs> I don't know how his, yeah, how did his career pan out? So uh, one, one of two is not bad, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, just, just wrapping up this draft real quick, it, like Sato ended up looking kind of iffy as a pick only because the rest of that second round ended up like yielding way more good guys than you ever see from a second round. Like that's by far probably the best, second round we'll talk about tonight. So Sato might actually be one of the best overall Wizards draft picks that we're going to discuss. And he's still a miss in this particular draft, which is kind of right. crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's uh, so Wizards. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's move on to 2013 here. With the third pick, the Wizards took Otto Porter. Um, other names in consideration, Cody Zeller was talked about at the time. He went fourth. KCP ended up going eighth. CJ McCollum went 10th. Steven Adams, 12th. Uh, Giannis went 15th. I, I'm not, everybody brings the Giannis one up. I'd like to take him totally off the table as like a miss for them because no one knew that. Yeah, like, that, that, that's an obvious yeah. one for the whole league, right? I mean, just there were very obvious reasons why he wasn't going to go with the third pick. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt that too. I mean, I did everything I could to evaluate him and he, he was like this really tall, skinny guy. We'd seen tall, skinny guys come through the league before who had basically never developed in, into anything. And it turns out that the, the real freakish part of Giannis was his work ethic, that, mm-hmm. that he was just going to work until he was good. And, and he grew like three or four more inches too, which is crazy. Too. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. That too. Um, that that draft was interesting. It's it was I think they jumped that year. They were maybe eighth going into the lottery, then they jumped to the third for for Otto. Um, and I think even had they stayed at eight, I don't know if Otto would have made it there, but there was a good there was probably a decent chance. I think that I year so. after the Vestley miss, I think they wanted to go high floor, maybe not as high ceiling, make sure they got a player that could definitely play with Wallville over time. And you know, I mean the pick was fine. I don't, there was no issues with the pick. He became a very productive player, local guy. It made a ton of sense, mm-hmm. filled a need. He shot well, took a year and a half or so for him to kind of get his, get, you know, but that's because there was an injury his rookie season. And then he had Martel Webster and Trevor Ariza ahead of him, but the pick was totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I had him evaluated basically in that spot. I think I had him like fifth in that draft, mm-hmm. but in like the same tiers, like the way my scoring goes, that they were basically like, very small differences between like Zeller and Otto and, and whoever else was, it was, was a, tra- whoever yeah, that was a pretty weak draft, right? Yeah. Like if, if normally fifth in that draft, normal draft, that's probably a little lower, right? That's yeah, the he, well, he still probably Otto still probably would have graded as like a top 10 pick in most drafts. Okay. He was a good solid prospect. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he would have probably been the guy that if I had been making the pick, I probably would have picked him. I you know, think the I, only he, other one, possibly Nerlens Noel, was interesting because there was a lot of buzz about him that I, at that time mm-hmm. that I liked. I was like, "Hey, do they gamble on him?" I think he was just recovering off his injury. If yeah, he'd have been healthy, he would have gone top three. I mean, right? Yeah. I think maybe that's the only other player. There was no one else really, kind of just going mm-hmm. through some of the names there. I liked Tim Hardaway Jr. going into that draft, but we're talking about someone who went twenty fourth, and I don't think he was ever in consideration for. I made the high lottery pick, but and also um, Otto has been a much better player. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Period. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. 
until the longevity, long until the injuries. That's that's so that's a thing, right? Would you yeah. take Even with the injuries? I mean, you, you compare them like this year at the the same number of years into their careers. Otto was a lot better. Um, he on a he just hasn't done basis. anything for the last three years where Tim Hardaway has been a seventeen point per I think game he's still playing for, for them. I mean, yeah, but he he plays a valuable role for Golden State. He's I, I know, agree, he's a good productive I just, player. I I wouldn't say that that one's a total throwaway though. If you look at their value added at the end of their career in terms of like total years of competent high level NBA production, I bet it ends up being reasonably Mm. close. Because I think Otto's only played maybe prior to this season, he played maybe 40 games the past two, two and a half seasons. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's in terms of total. Yeah, there has to be something to do with like some something you account for availability. When I when I look at the draft, we do have to caution you. Auto is a very sensitive topic with Kevin, so we have to tread carefully over here. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. <laughs> um, no, when I evaluate drafts, I usually look at four year, and you know because sure. that's how yeah. long after that you have to like First essentially contract. reacquire the sure. player by um, paying him more money, giving him another contract. Totally sure. um, but no, I you know the thing with Auto is yeah, I I did think that he was pretty good, and um, you know he he did get hurt and then hurt again and hurt again, but yeah. Uh, it, it would be interesting to, to compare and see where he comes out in that draft. Um, so, so here's a slightly different one then. Over the bulk of their career, would you rather had Otto or Contavious Caldwell-Pope, for instance? Porter. I think Porter, his high end. I mean, I think people, the interesting thing is if you're on Wizards Twitter these days, the, the buzz is like, hey, we got to get three and Ds to go around Beal and Porzingis. Basically, people want... Auto Porter. Auto wasn't the, the man. He was not the on-ball man stopper, but he was a very good team defender. And I think this is where we don't have to relitigate Auto Porter. But like the what I will say, and I was I, I was on kind of both sides. I was a big Georgetown fan. I thought it was crazy when people. Do you guys remember the panic when Auto Porter had two bad summer league games to start his rookie season, and it was like, oh my god, what has happened? He can't get a shot off. All this. I was like, no, that's not even his game. Don't worry, he'll come around. He came around. I think there was probably some dispute about what his overall upside was, but take all that out of it. He was a very productive player. He averaged about what, 15 points, got rebounds, got you some steals, got you some assists. And he shot like over 60% true shooting percentage. He was a very efficient, very effective, good player. Mm-hmm. And the exact player that was his Twitter, Twitter seems to be clamoring for right now. So you can't like, you know, that part, you can't like dispute. You could, you know, he was, he was good. Yeah. I mean, Otto, in a lot of ways, is, is kind of like what KCP would be if KCP was 6'9", you know, yeah, and, yeah, and had like really long right. arms, yeah. Yeah. you know, if he was five inches taller. <laughs> I think know. we got to give some shout out here to Rasul Butler for that Otto Porter pick working out, because the report was that Rasul spent every single day with Otto making him get shots up, helping him rep out his jumper, like all that stuff. So I may have... The pick may have turned out a little differently for us if we if we didn't have um, some veteran love there. So R.I.P. Yeah. Rasul Butler. Um, yeah. Just two other names. The, the person I loved in that draft was C.J. McCollum. Uh, I probably told you the, this guy this story before, but I went to that NCAA tournament and I watched him single handedly beat Duke, and I was like instantly in love with this man because I will always <laughs> hate Duke no matter what conference Maryland's in. Uh, and I loved me some Kelly Olynyk, uh, not at three, but. Uh, you know, if there was a trade down somewhere, I would have taken Kelly Olenek in like the 10 range. Um, <laughs> yeah. Steven Adams has actually worked out to be a really good NBA player. He went yep. 12th in that draft. So some interesting names, uh, Rudy Gobert went basically at the end of the first round, 27th. That one's worked out yeah, exceedingly so well. 
The yeah. funny thing with Stephen Adams, I remember there was an article, we brought him in for a workout and they were trying to see if he could be a stretch big. So no. it's like, no. you can see how they really identify talent. Yeah, that worked out well. <laughs> just big, good God. Just like uh, when we turned Chris Humphreys into Larry Bird for a season, right? Yeah. So who did the Wizards, I mean, they, they, according to the basketball reference, they had the 38th pick, which they used on Nate Walters. Obviously they traded. They him. traded two, thir- two seconds to move up for Glenn Rice Jr. Yeah, that That's year right. they took Glenn Rice. So That's the right. only uh, names out. I saw after Glenn Rice that kind of caught my attention were Mike Mascala went 44th, yeah. um, Howell okay. Neto went 47th, <laughs> and James Innes went 50th. Um, yeah. You know, any of those three guys would have been more helpful for the Wizards. You didn't uh, like I, did, I did not mind. <laughs> there were a lot of guys I had this. never heard of as a draft nut. I didn't know like six yeah. of the names that went after uh, yeah. Glenn Rice. I didn't mind the Glenn Rice pick just on talent alone in the second round, but there were obviously other issues in play. Yeah, now, I'm, not, that, yeah I'm not sure terms, that his game would have translated because he needed to be a six man kind of gunner off the bench. Um, but he thought he was a gunner even when John Wall and Bradley Beal were on the floor with him and would not listen to Randy Whitman. So it just, it was not never going to happen. I'll always have that summer league though. <laughs> yeah. He had some, some, some head issues. I, I thought in terms of what he did in the G league the year before they got him, that he was the way he produced was, you know, similar to like a mid to late first round pick. And so mm-hmm. it was like getting him in the second round, I thought would have been pretty good, but you know, it, he did not work out. I saw him play in the TBT this summer and he was still doing the same thing. Every same time thing. he touched it, he was shooting it up. And a few years before he just left at halftime of a game because he didn't get enough touches. I mean, just, yeah. you know, some things never change, right? No, Career that, average, that, by the way, right, 0.6 assists for a game. <laughs> you know, but you are right though. That summer league auto and Glenn Rice was probably the most entertaining side of summer league this team has had. It's maybe the most excited I've been about two picks, like at the same time, yeah. you know what I mean? Like normally I like one and hate the other or something like that, but I think he was, he was Vegas MVP, right? He was, yeah, summer, he, league he was summer league MVP. He went yeah. nuts. I want to say he averaged like 25 points a game. Yep. Wow. So we'll always have that. Yeah. Uh, all right. 2014, there was no real wizards pick there or anybody that ended up actively playing on the roster for them. So we'll jump to 2015 here with the 15th. Well, well, well 2014, though, is the year they sold the Jordan Clarkson pick when they could have very much used a guy just like Jordan Clarkson. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just got it worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I think that's a good call. I, th- the pick was never made with the intention that Clarkson would be a wizard. Right. So, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. So you're right. If they had, if they had been used the pick themselves, they, they probably would have picked somebody else and gotten it wrong. So. I, I didn't even look to see who else went in the second round of that draft, but I'm sure it would uh, give me some heartburn. Jordan McRae went 58. Okay. He ended up basically as a wizard second round pick. So we'll take yeah. that. So after Clarkson though, I mean, like probably the best of the guys who went after that was, would, would probably have been Lamar Patterson. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they didn't miss anybody. That's for sure. No, they didn't miss anyone. Clarkson was basically the last pretty good player to get taken. Right. Yeah. He, he would have been nice for the last couple of years. Um, yeah. But it does. Can I just say separately? It does really annoy me. Look, 100% they should not have sold the pick and you should make a selection and see if you get lucky. But I keep, when they keep saying, oh, we traded Jordan Clarkson, we have, like, they did not trade Jordan. The Lakers made the pick. We did not make the pick. Yeah, they sold the pick for cash. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not as though, like, it's not as though he was automatically at the top of our board. (laughs) 
Right. Yeah, they they didn't identify Clarkson and have two weeks with him and decide, eh, you know, we've given this up. But it looks it sounds cooler to say that Jordan Clarkson is a huge draft miss for us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. 2015, the 15th pick, Kelly Oubre. Uh, the next pick immediately after him, Terry Rogier, 20th, uh, Delon Wright, who was the guy I most preferred at that spot. Then 22, you had Bobby Portis, 24, Tyus Jones, uh, 27, Larry Nance Jr. I mean, like we're, we're starting to get into the weeds there after that. It, to me, that's not a particularly strong range of a draft. So I'm actually okay with taking Kelly Oubre at that point in a redraft. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, the big debate, even post-draft for like months and months on Real GM and then even somewhat on Twitter and like what have you was, should they have taken Bobby Portis because they needed to stretch for at that point yeah. or Kelly Oubre? I think that was the whole back and forth. Now, of course, Bobby Portis also eventually became a wizard. So, you know. <laughs> They've probably had comparable NBA production, I would yeah. say. Is that fair? Um, I think Bobby Portis fits on a team like Milwaukee in a very specific role better than I could imagine Kelly Oubre fitting on a contender on a very, in a very specific role, if that makes sense. Yeah. The thing with Oubre is, I mean, Oubre played like super hard and oh, it's worth mentioning too. The Wizards did trade up into that spot to get him. Um, But Oubre played really hard, but he, he he couldn't channel it right. Yeah. He was just all over the place. He was just, you know, playing hard, running, doing things. And a lot of those things were just stupid. And so it's like, he was supposed to be this great defender and he had like these like freakishly long arms and, you know, really quick and he could jump and all that kind of stuff. And he was a terrible defender. Yeah. Yeah, Funny thing is he's still only 26. (laughs) He came in incredibly young to the draft. I mean, look, I was, I, I saw the talent. I thought this is a fun guy to take a, to take a stab at. And the day, the games that his shot was falling and that he showed some restraint. Like there was one where we were winning Wizards were winning and they were trying to run out the clock. And he basically showed a quick corner three with like 30 seconds left of the game, but 24 seconds left on the shot clock. And everyone was like, what are you doing? And I saw he did the same thing again this year in Charlotte, Michael Jordan's like shaking his head in the owner's box. And it's like, why at no point he just is not, he just hasn't found it. He hasn't found that restraint to kind of channel his talent the right way, because there's talent there. Mm -hmm. He just hasn't been able to apply it the right way. Yeah. It, 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 I know the kinds of plays you're talking about. Obviously, if you've watched a lot of Uber, you've, you've seen a lot of them. They're still it happening. Just, yeah. <laughs> it just reminded me of a summer league game that I was in. I was, I think, like a, probably a junior in high school. And um, I took a three and I made it. And like we, we come off the, the other team calls a timeout and we come off the floor and the guys were like, that was awesome. That was awesome. And somebody said, in that moment, I can't believe you even pulled the trigger. And I looked up at the, at the score and it was like there was like a minute left in the game. And there, I had no idea. I was just playing. <laughs> I wasn't paying a damn bit of attention to anything except playing. Right. And that's kind of Uber, except I'm not even sure he pays that much attention to playing. <laughs> There's some value to that, though. You do need one of those guys sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my one Kelly Ubre anecdote here. Uh, I tried to get him on this very podcast by reaching out to his agent, who is Tobias's, Tobias Harris's father. And he responded back to me and said, cool. Yeah, definitely. How much do you intend to pay us? Because if it's not a four digit number, uh, we probably won't be able to pull that off. No. I'm like, damn. Okay. okay. <laughs> people, people pay for podcast guests. <laughs> this is a wake up call for me. Got it. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, oh, in a redraft, though, I think that's... Um, <laughs> I like it. Um, in a redraft, I think that's a reasonable pick. Some other names that went in this draft that have been productive NBA players, Montrez Harrell went uh, 32nd that year, Rashawn Holmes, 37, Josh Richardson, 40, Norm Powell, 46. Pat Connaughton was 41. Yeah, yeah, it's another good one. Um, Aaron White went, no. <laughs> so Aaron White, who we did turn into Davis Bertans, which seemed like a great deal for a short amount of time, did go 49th. The rest of that draft, though, is really rough. The only guy I would have taken over White was Sir Dominic Pointer, just because that's like one of the best names of all time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was Aaron uh, White another in the... You got to keep him on the roster until you get Admiral Schofield in, too. Yeah, perfect. Oh, yeah. Aaron White was like another in the law, never ending search for a stretch four while the league had already expanded to like stretch fives. Yeah. Can we just, I mean, can we also, though, say, like, I ran numbers, all kinds of numbers on Aaron White. There was no reason to think that he could be a successful NBA player. He if was, you watched him play for five minutes, you didn't ever see that. Like, he wasn't even no. maybe a productive G League player at that point. Now, that said, yeah. I mean, the Wizards didn't miss on anything. And trading him for Bertans was a terrific deal. It's, a it's just that what they did with Bertans afterwards was yeah. jackassery. <laughs> but yeah. uh, All right. So let's keep this moving here. That puts us uh, right. Well, there are no... Wizards that ended up from the next two drafts in 2016 and 2017. So I'm jumping us forward in time what? to the 2018. Hold, 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 hold on, I knew Kevin Kevin want to talk about 17, and I think 16. Oh, I think it. we got to touch briefly on it. Okay, 2016. So fire away. The 2016 pick they traded for Marquise Morris, mm-hmm. right? And you know Phoenix just wasted that pick on George Papa Giannis or you know Papa Giannis. They got mm-hmm. the wrong Giannis, yeah. you know. But had the Wizards hung on to that pick. They could have picked like Karis LeVert, DeAndre Bembry, Furkan Korkmaz, Pascal Siakam, DeJounte Murray. Um, all of those guys uh, went later. And then with their second round pick, the only guy they really missed out on if they'd hung on to their second round pick was um, George Niang. You know, and he's been a, a good like end like of the Niang. rotation kind of guy, yeah. you know. The so we had the 13th pick that year, right? Yeah. So Sabonis yeah. went ahead. I don't have too like I, I understood conceptually what they were trying to do there. The cap was jumping, and we've talked about this on this on this podcast before. There's going to be a huge cap spike, and Markeith Morris was signed to a relatively nominal long term yeah, team contract. friendly. Team because friendly. they snookered him into it in Phoenix because they said they keep was some him combined and contract together. with him and Marcus, yeah. which was yeah. still something that I'll need someone to explain to me how that actually worked one day. Um, I did not know that you could actually share a contract, but. So something like that happened. And like, so it wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible because that draft wasn't a great draft. I, I understood their logic behind it as well saying, and, but that, that's the thing. When you look at a lot of their moves, you understand the logic of a single move, but when you put them all together, that's when they don't make sense. Right. In a vacuum, if you don't like any of the guys one year and you want to trade out of a pick, I'm cool with that. But it's that's, the that, back that's to not why they thing, though. Right, but that's not why they made that trade though, because they they had made the trade, you know, the previous season. Right. And you know, Markeith was miserable in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. He was mad. He was pouting his way out because they traded his brother, which yeah. I understand. You know, they had a basically an agreement with yeah. the team yeah. that this was the way things were going to work. Mm-hmm. So he was rightfully upset. His brother was rightfully upset um, because of what the management had promised to them. Right. And then the management reneged on that. Now they couldn't put that in paper, it wasn't contract, all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. Still, he was rightfully upset, but 
you know, the Wizards made that trade because they hoped that he would be the power forward they needed mm-hmm. to stretch four, get them something, uh, you know, some the worst shooting of the two we wanted to bring in is the stretch four. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the thing is, it's like Markeith had peaked maybe a couple years earlier at average. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was, mm-hmm. he, he never really approached. He, well, for about six weeks, he maybe three weeks, but he, he was pretty good. He had a, a he had a really good stretch in the 16-17 season during the home winning streak. Yeah, where he was shooting well. What was interesting about him is when he first got here, we had such an unathletic front court. Like they would throw it up, and he would kind of go above the rim. He would dunk on people. He quickly lost that quickness and explosion, yeah. and became like a plotting, tried to bully ball. And it's like, if you could jump over people, why are you trying to like change your game and become this like plotter? Try to make him do nay nay. Yeah, he became that though, and it's like, yeah. okay, where was, like you know, you totally he totally lost that element, which actually was pretty exciting when he first got here. Like they were, yeah. I think maybe over Kristaps. So yeah, you dunked on him one time. He was guarding Car- Carmelo Anthony on the wing. You saw mm-hmm. some things that you liked, and then it's like, no, why did you try to turn into this whatever you became? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's really all I had to say about that draft. I think is <laughs> there were some some players that they could have um, taken. Yeah. Twenty seventeen. Take it away, fellas. Kev, I'll let you have this one. Well, so this one was they they, they traded away the whole draft again. Yeah. That's two two consecutive years without a pick, which is wild. I mean that that's malpractice in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to, that, that's the thing, especially, you know, the NBA is a young person's game. It's like you, you're, you get good eventually and you have older players when you're good because you keep your team together and you keep them together until basically that, you know, guys start losing it because they get old. Right. Yeah. But when you're trying to build the team, you need young guys. So anyway, they traded their first round pick so they could get off of Andrew Nicholson's contract. And so they could, <laughs> Which who they signed to a four year contract yeah. the previous offseason. Yeah. Even though he had like peaked at again, like way below average. He was he was not good. And the, the the his most defining characteristic, Andrew Nicholson's, was his slowness. Yeah. <laughs> he was- have you caught now that as we have gone through this and kind of documented every single one, every one of these mistakes has been sent centered around Ernie trying to find a stretch four. <laughs> <laughs> He had to appease John Wall, right? <laughs> and I mean, but think about this. I mean, this is the season they went into the, the off season, right? Well, this is actually after that. This, this is after month. that season. This after is that after season. that season when they uh, went this into the all... off season saying, we're going to get Durant and came out with Jan Mahinmi, mm-hmm. uh, uh Andrew Nicholson, and uh, Jason, Jason Smith. Smith. Yeah. So th- this is what actually drives me crazy about Just as good as... Jason Smith might have actually been the best value contract of the three, if that says anything to you. Yeah, and they gave him a three-year deal, they gave which no one else in the league would have Third-string center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is what actually drives me a little bit crazy. So Bogdanovich, who they traded the pick for, yeah. When he first got here, do you remember like he was on an absolute tear? Yeah, and for it like was like two wait. games, three games. He was it was great. a little longer than that. No, he had a week, a, a week and a half, two weeks. He maybe had a good few week stretch where. Yeah. He was shooting like 50% from three and it was like, wait, what did they just find now? Then they got to the playoffs and they couldn't hide him defensively. Now we could have a whole other discussion about that because he's been on playoff team after playoff team since, and has been a productive player in the league. Um, 
He was what, terrible um, in Washington, except he was, for he was, basically about, I said three games. It might've been four or five, but it wasn't more than that. That said, the second he's left, he's been a starter on playoff yeah, games since. So, that's true. Like that's it's true. one thing, and that's like <laughs> this is totally diverting from the draft. And I'm sorry, Matt, but it was no, like this is good. We keep we keep scapegoating these guys for being like sieves on defense and unplayable. They go to other teams, and all of a sudden they're starting on playoff teams. But look Just at the teams you went to and what their yeah. what their calling cards were and their identities were. When you look yeah. at those Indiana teams under Nate McMillan, like they were mm-hmm. gonna bust your ass defensively, and it was good team defense. You look at Utah, it's the same thing. And yeah, yep. you know, I, I got into it with some folks on Twitter recently about Boyan because there's this sort of rewriting history, which is kind of what we're doing tonight anyway, but of him being like this superstar that he is now here. And that isn't the case. He turned into like genuinely a LeBron stopper for like a year and a half when he was well, that in was Indiana. funny in Indiana. He was guarding LeBron in the playoffs as yeah, well as yeah. like almost anyone in the league did. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think yeah. what, I think what would have, and I even, I said this at the time, so I do have receipts for this. If the Ernie had recognized what was happening in the league, how it was becoming you need just four out. You need shooters everywhere. What he should have done, in my opinion, was that at that point, get off Markeith Morris's very tradable contract, move Otto Porter to the four, and keep Boyan, Boyan and play him at the three. Yeah. Then you have two shooters around Wall and Beal. That's what I would have liked to have seen them done, see them do at that point. But they were invested in Markeith. They let um, Bogdanovich go, and Jared Allen got drafted in our pick, and it was just all went to crap. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with Jared Allen, it's like that guy blew up. Yeah, that was. And they could have had also because like right after that pick was OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma went shortly after that. Derek White went later in that draft. I think he was the 27th pick. Anjish Pasha Sneaks, for instance, uh, <laughs> they could have had. Oh, wait. No. So what you're saying is they could have done worse. They could have yeah. done worse. My well, boy Josh Hart went him. later. Loved yeah, Josh, Josh Hart. Hart. Yep. Yeah. But it's also like they, they had a decent team that year, 49 yeah. games. But while everyone else was able to improve their roster, our roster was stuck because we had no picks or cap space. <laughs> that, that was the thing is you spent, I mean, spending a first round pick on a guy that they then kept for a month. two months yeah. Yeah. was insane. It's just, what, how do you do? And this, this is the, these are the same guys who um, previously had traded uh, the fifth pick in the draft. We're not, Talking about that draft for, for Mike Miller and Randy Foy, both of whom were gone. At we'll the do that season. later in the summer. <laughs> they, they traded Otto Porter for a couple of guys that they just let walk at the end of the season. And it's like, you know, we, I, I just, I don't get how they value assets, how they, you know, value these players as assets and then decide when they're going to move them or not move them. Oz, what's your go-to also- term for that? Uh, the Ernie trades like that? Oh, the reverse. Oh no, the the arsonist fireman. fireman. Yeah, arson- yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that, but that would way. be the arson side of things. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and we could also blame our guy John Hollinger, Matt, because maybe <sighs> if he had accepted our offer of a couple second round picks for Tyreek Evans, maybe we don't go the Bogdanovich route. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All comes back yeah. to Hollinger. But remember, I mean, again, this is the thing where one of the reasons that they thought they were being smart in trading that first round pick for Bogdanovich is that they were getting Nicholson off the books, Mm -hmm. who they had just 
a few months before signed to a four-year contract. All about cleaning up their own messes and just kicking in the can down the road of like, I know I blew it this year, but if I can offset this by making another mistake that won't bite me for another few years, I'll keep keeping my job. Yeah, that's right. Oh, oh God, I'm in actual agony. I should have been drinking during this. What are, we're doing something wrong here, guys. <laughs> yes. All right. This gets I us blame the, the host. Ah, that's me as usual. Yeah. <laughs> um, this gets us the 2018 again with the 15th pick. You'll notice a theme here. Uh, the Wizards <laughs> took Troy Brown Jr. I have it's, never hated. Sometimes a, I pick ninth. <laughs> it's 15th or ninth is a very recurring theme. I yeah. have never hated a Wizards draft pick more than I hated the Troy Brown Jr. pick. And I have very angry receipts on Twitter for this if anyone gets bored. I was enraged about taking a six foot five, two guard who doesn't shoot, who's too scrawny and doesn't defend and can't jump. I just, I saw nothing that he brought to the table. And I was so, so infuriated while that happened. But Matt, he just knows how to play. That's right. Intangible. Well, no, what did he he drew up a play for Ernie Grunfeld, right. right? At the yep. workout. Yep. The funny thing is when you look at that draft, the two players that I believe it came down to that were top two on their board were Zaire Smith yep. and Troy Brown Jr. Those two, and like if you there are quality players that went after that. It's like, how did they come down to those two? And I believe those two were the only the two highest, highest rated prospects to come in for workouts that year. Um, there was so much about that that drove me crazy. As any Wizard fan does, I try to convince myself after the fact that I'm like, oh, okay, he didn't look terrible in summer league. But I remember going into the draft, I was it was screaming to me that this guy is Evan Turner, a worse version of Evan Turner. Yeah, poor man's Evan Turner. Poor man's Evan Turner. It. Why are we drafting poor man's Evan Turner? Yeah. Um, he was. You could see from the get go that he did not look athletic enough to be an NBA wing. He couldn't shoot. Everyone always said he could play poor guard. He could dribble, but he would do the same thing. He would dribble it up court go behind his back and then pass it to the wing. It's like, no, he can't dribble. He can't get past anyone, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't, you know, that infuriates me. Yeah. That, that pick, I mean, look, there were obviously some players after that, that I missed, but I did, I did really like DiVincenzo, yeah. Lonnie Walker. Uh, who else was there? Kevin Herter went 19th. Josh Akogi went 20. Grayson there Allen went 21. So, but we haven't mentioned the, the guy. So, at this draft, I actually went to uh, an event that I think it was uh, Troy Halliburton hosted it mm-hmm. um, in D.C. And, you know, it was this draft event and we were hanging out. And I believe this is the year that Kevin Knox, the yep. Knicks took Kevin Knox. Yeah. And when Troy turned to me and was like, hey, you know, Kevin Knox, how's he rate on your your in your thing? And I pull out my little sheet of paper because, of course, anyway. Um, and I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, I had him don't draft at all. Right. So, but the guy that I had rated, like I had Troy Brown rated several picks lower than where the wizards were picking. So I was like, I try to squint eye my way into thinking that it's okay. But the guy that I had rated for that spot and the guy I think I would have taken is Robert Williams, you know, and Mm -hmm. there were some questions about him, you know, because he like showed up late a few times because he couldn't figure out how to work an alarm clock, but the time Lord. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Celtics seem to have, have, have worked something out with him mm-hmm. to get him up in the morning and get him, get him where he's supposed to be. And it's shocker. People grow up sometimes. Right. I mean, what and, a, what a novel concept. Somehow or another, he seems to arrive right on time an awful lot on the defensive end. <laughs> yeah, right. His rotations are well-timed. I mean, yeah. it, it, this says everything about our kind of thinking as an organization that we thought like, 
there's a better chance that Troy Brown suddenly learns to shoot or gets really athletic than there is a better chance that Robert Williams, who is a freak athlete, suddenly learns to keep an alarm clock. Yeah. Um, just cool. Good job. So my guys. favorites in this draft were, yeah, Lonnie Walker. Williams was on that list. Uh, Gilgis Alexander was on that list, but he went before us. Yeah. It's the funny part about this draft. There are two actually things I wanted to point out. One was how many players from this draft have actually been on our team. We have now had Mo Wagner on the team. Jerome oh, Robinson no. has been on the team. Chandler Hutchinson has been on the team. And hold on, thought, pause just for a moment there, just for a moment, because on the Wizards board ahead of Troy Brown Jr. was Jerome Robinson. Yep. Yes. The guy they wanted yep. to pick was Jerome Robinson. And while Troy Brown has not been a good player in the NBA, he's miles and miles and miles better than Jerome Robinson. That's yeah. who I wanted us to get, by the way. So I'm going to very much say I, I was wrong there because I got the same way they got sold on Troy Brown, like drawing up a play. I sat at um, a recruiting event next to uh, his college coach and He's the toughest MFR you've ever heard. I mean, he was unguardable at BC. And then when you hear all the other stuff, I was like, uh, he, you know, he would like beat guys up in practice if they weren't playing hard enough. I was like, yes, we need this kind of stuff. And uh, that clearly has not worked out very well. And this was also the draft David Aldridge tweeted when Michael Porter Jr. went 14th that the Wizards were not going to take him if he was there at 15th. So again, I have no problem if they saw his back injuries, which have been issues. And Decided not to take him, but Troy Brown Jr. I mean, are we serious here? <laughs> like I, I would take anyone, no matter what their injury is, over Troy so, Brown Jr. and, and well, just gamble that I could get and, a couple of seasons. And he was like one of the weird things is, you know, Brown was not much good as a rookie. And then in his second year, he came back and was actually decent. You know, he was not like terrific or anything like that, but he shot 34% from three. You know, he got some assists. He rebounded really well. He defended his position, you know, switched, did some switching you know, defending like one through three and stuff. And it was like, you could see the outline of like a pretty good player. And then I, I he just fell apart completely. And that, that Wizards traded him, turned him into Daniel Gafford. They have a history of yeah. not like of taking these guys that don't fit into conventional molds and then not having any idea how to use them in an unconventional mold. And and yeah. just, I think that's largely the problem, you know, we also that had- was- yeah, I was going to say that was one of the great things about Eddie Jordan's system, you know, his offensive system is that he could take all the weirdos and freaks and and just because the system would just sort of adapt to them, whatever they were. If they were skillful, they could play. Yeah, agreed. Uh, a couple other names, Anthony Simons, who's been a hot name uh, here recently, went 24th in that draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Landry Shamit, 26th. Jalen Brunson, 33rd. And then that gets us to the Wizards, 44th overall pick. Isuf Sanan. And when I saw this MF or play at Summer League, I swear to God, I'm sitting in Vegas and I threw my phone at the concrete floor below me as hard as I could. And there's still a crack on it because I still have the same cell phone from 2017. Uh, because I just looked at him like he wouldn't get picked up in a lot of the Summer Leagues that I play in. No, no. I, when they picked him, I, I think, I can't remember whether I had run the numbers on him before. I couldn't find him because the, the Kazakhstani no. men's league probably doesn't even have published <laughs> statistics on the internet. No, I found them and I could not, he's one of the worst players I've ever evaluated. I mean, there was just no way I, to, to even imagine that he could be good. And they insisted that he was going to be a good player. And he, they brought him to summer league and he stunk and he's, he stinks in, in overseas. It's just like, yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but geez, 
Especially yeah, that I one mean, funny quote though, right? Oh, Wizards of Washington or something. I can't yeah. remember what the, the funny yeah. thing was, but yeah. I mean, they could have taken like D'Anthony uh, Melton one, two weeks, two weeks later, you know, Metu, who is, yeah. you know, came up, he had a solid year this year for uh, Sacramento. Shake um, Milton. Shake Milton. Shake Milton's been a solid the, player. the guy that I liked, I had a really good uh, high grade on, hasn't really done much as a pro yet though, is, or, and probably won't given that he's already 26 is Keita Bates Diop. He he had a good little run for Minnesota where he was productive and he played a little for the Spurs. I mean, yeah, he, he was in the rotation for the Spurs, started several games, and um, he did more than Sinan will ever do at any level in yeah, any. That's for sure. Yeah. That is for sure. Uh, Svi Mikhailuk went forty seventh. He had like a cup of coffee with the Lakers and the Pistons, where he bombed away. Uh, Alize Johnson, who was also a wizard from this draft, who we yeah, neglected like to games. mention early, he went fiftieth. So yeah, I mean that that's probably the worst draft miss I can remember for the Wizards in terms of a guy that had no business playing overseas. Like the other one I always joke about is Vladimir Verminko. I've actually seen him play internationally and he is a respectable international player. So mm-hmm. um there was some world in which he could have, you know, carved out a niche here. Uh that's also the Alexei Petrov draft. That's I mean, that's the thing. It's like with this, you know, that Sanan pick is it doesn't matter where you look. Like if you look at the highlights and that kind of stuff, if you look at highlights, it's like, yes. But if you, you could sort of squint to your eye and say, well, okay, he looks kind of quick. And then you, it's like, you look at who he's playing against and you know, got guys with pot bellies and stuff. It's, guys that are smoking on like literally yeah. on timeouts. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, what, what's the vision here of, of how this guy becomes an NBA player. And it's it's impossible. You, they you thought they had like even... Killian Hayes on their hands or something, yeah. you know. This like uh, the scrappy combo guard is going to defend people. It's like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so this well, this is we this would would could potentially sideline, uh, you know, side sidetrack us for a while. But it's I think part of it is, and maybe I'm gonna write about this during the during the season. I mean during the summer, but. The Wizards definitely subscribe to the school of thought that like you build a team by acquiring like packets of skills. Like if you need ball handling, you get a guy who they're money dribble. balling it. Well, not even that. It's it's more like they they think that they're buying like ingredients. Like if you want to make spaghetti, right? You You're shooting, pasta. you know, you get po- you get potato uh, tomatoes. Pardon me. Sure. You get uh, sausage, you get uh, some spices, you get oil, you get, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way they think about it. It's like, well, we've got Bertans. He's a great shooter. So now we've got shooting. And um, and so they do that. And it's like they don't really seem to be aware that, like, if you put Bertans on the floor, you do definitely get his shooting. But you also get the rest of him because you can't take him off the floor. And when you do put him on the floor, you're taking somebody else off who can do other things well. But so with Sanan, it's like, I, I don't know what they saw. Maybe they thought he's quick and he dribbles well. And so we need ball handling at some point. So we'll, we'll, we'll get him and we'll have him handle the ball or something. Here's but, the big point guard off the bench point of attack defense or something. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, well, you know, you also need a guy. Take who Anthony Melton. Yeah. You, you need a guy who can play the game. Right. It is somewhat underrated. I think the ability to play basketball when drafting a basketball player, but that's yeah. not always been important to us. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
so again, just to sort of recap here, guys, if you had to take someone with 15th, who would you have been? I, I think given the guys that were actually available there, I, I would have probably liked DiVincenzo, although maybe Herder or somebody like Grayson Allen is probably even like the better pick in, in retrospect. I mean, oh. the guy I would have picked was Robert Williams. And that's I, would have, I would have gone with, I, I think I even said this at the time, I would have gone with either um, kind of going through a tweet I found about that draft, it was either Robert Williams, Walk, Lonnie Walker, or DiVincenzo. I would have taken one of those three. Delaware's finest, Dante DiVincenzo. <laughs> and now a quick break from our show to hear from two of our sponsors. First, Credit Karma. Paying down debt can be stressful, especially when you need to keep track of multiple monthly payment dates. If you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. That way you'll have just one due date a month and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit card data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. For instance, maybe Ted could take out a personal loan to exceed the luxury tax and actually get us a decent point card. We'll see. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. And next, athletic greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that's top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Now let's get back to the show. All right, next uh, next draft, 2019. These might start to get spicier here a little bit. Uh, with the ninth pick, the Wizards did what was perceived at the time to be a bit of a reach and took Rui Hachimura. Uh, the next couple names, just for setting the table for everybody, Cam Reddish, 10th, Cam Johnson, 12th, or 11th, which is a pick that got widely panned at the time. Yes, DJ Washington, mm-hmm. 12th, Tyler Hero, 13th. Um, kind of a jump into like guys that were productive. You get Brandon Clark. I know will come up at some point during this conversation. 21st, uh, a guy I liked, but I wouldn't have taken ninth was Grant Williams, who I think has finally turned into like a really productive and helpful NBA player. He's been huge for, for Boston this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 28th Jordan Poole, I know is a name, uh, that's gotten a lot of traction. I don't blame the wizards for missing on Jordan pool because he no. was a sixth man. And he was basically Nick young of Michigan. The guy yeah. I loved in this draft more than anybody was Keldon Johnson, who went 29th. He came in for a visit. He did. And, and I, I yeah. was like, please, this is it. This is the one yeah. we can do right here. Even trade down to get him would be fine. Yeah, um, I was hoping he was going to fall into the second round and yeah. the, the Wizards could take him there. And I was not shocked when the Spurs picked him. <laughs> yeah. You know, he didn't have his, like, he was, I thought, on a great track. And then this season was kind of up and down, but yeah, still a good a, prospect. He was, he was a scrawny rookie when he I got drafted or freshman yeah, they're trying when he to got make drafted. him like into a four i think in san antonio 
He's got a I think huge. He's more maybe more maybe a natural three, but he's like, thick with two C's player. though. Like that dude has like bulked up and and like a yeah. surprising way. And to me, he yeah. was like prototypical small forward to your to your point. Yes. So the yeah. in this draft, so I was I'll admit and still I'm a Rui fan. Sure. I was a Rui fan throughout the, his senior year or junior year at Gonzaga. I was like, wait, why aren't people paying attention to this six nine guy who's mm-hmm. efficient, kind of you know play inside outside you know, very active. Um, I just didn't understand why he wasn't getting more buzz, but I never considered him at the ninth pick because there was really minimal talk of him going ninth. So the real, the conversation at that time, if I recall correctly, correct me if I'm wrong here is I, it was really Seku Demboya. Am I pronouncing his yeah. last name correctly? Mm-hmm. He had gotten a lot of buzz for around the ninth selection. Uh, Cam Reddish, obviously wizards, Twitter, I think unanimously was mm-hmm. pretty unanimous in that they wanted and Cam Chris Reddish. Miller. Uh, yeah, and Chris, oh my God, Chris Miller kept comparing him to Paul George. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, so he wanted him badly. I was hoping Kobe White or Darius Garland slipped, um, but I was not optimistic that either would slip. EJ Washington got some buzz here, I feel like, too. A little yeah. bit, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, some of those guys were, were definitely in play. Dumbuya was was somebody that was talked about in that spot. Um it's it's interesting because there were there was a huge range of opinions on on Hachimura where I saw some of the you know draft guys had him ranked in the 30s and others had him ranked you know basically around where he was picked. We had Me Sam Massini on; he had him 21st. I remember. Yeah, I saw him as low as I think 35th, mm-hmm. and I can't remember. I think it might have been the Stepien. But um, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. But I I know I saw him in the 30s um, on some boards. So I personally, I think I had him like 10th, maybe, or maybe it was eighth, something like that. But he mentioned Brandon Clark. He, he was a guy, the way I wrote about that draft, uh, you know, leading up to it was with Brandon Clark, I felt like there was risk in the sense that you weren't hundred percent sure that he was going to be able at his size was going to be able to make a transition into the NBA and be successful there because one, he was, he was a little older than most of the players in college, which is typically, you know, uh, tap the brakes on this guy, at least it's a yellow flag. Right. And then he, he had sort of a center's game in a shooting guards body. Right. He was like six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Short arms. I remember his like wingspan. Yeah. Marginal wingspan, if, if any, but, but he could jump out of the gym. athleticism. He could jump. Right. He was crazy quick. You know, he had also had like the shooting guards athleticism, right? And so, you know, the prototypical shooting guard athleticism, but he didn't have the shooting guards like handle or shooting or anything else. Yeah. It's like, had, how is he going to be successful? But he was so successful. Like the, the kind of guys that he graded out, like the kind of guys, like just the volume of production were players like, you know, like Carl Anthony Towns. It was like these really like high-end players. And my feeling was if you're willing to accept some risk, then then Clark is the guy, right? You pick Clark and if you're willing to accept the kind of risk that comes with, maybe he's going to be a complete bust. Um, but I, I was okay with Hachimura getting picked where he was I because I thought he would he would be solid. He's, he, he's actually disappointed me in some ways because <laughs> – He's just been so, it really comes down to that just total lack of awareness on the defensive end. Yeah. And I think um, they even said that in the, in the exit interviews, basically both Shepard and Wes Unsold said they were pleased with the three point growth, but 
you could tell they need him to refocus on defense. You saw growth defensively at the end of at the second half of the second season. Now he added the jump shot. If you saw that growth continue in a linear path with the jump shot, then you might have a player, but you have his defense, go, his defense reverted back to his rookie year form, which was non-existent. Yeah. So you have to get that defense back or the three point shooting, who cares? You know, yeah. the Brandon Clark thing is interesting. It's like, I was skeptical because of his size. Um, and he's kind of gone through like his first year, he started shooting threes, really dynamic. There was a lot of buzz. Then like last season going into the beginning of this season, there was a stretch where he didn't play for a few months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I was reading up on it a little bit. I think basically he maybe tried to do too much, you know, and I think they've kind of figured out what he's do good what at, do. which is basically yeah. you could bounce over, jump over anyone, quick hops, just keep Be switchable, keep diving to the rim and keep going for alley use. Basically just go like two foot float, two foot, drop it in the hoop or just go above the rim and dunk it in. Now yeah. that he's gotten back to his niche, he is being productive again. I do yeah. wonder now going into his contract extension eligible season, how much they value that like for a next extension or if he's going to look for a bigger role elsewhere after this is it's going to be something interesting to watch. I think other guys that obviously Tyler here has become really good yeah. out of that draft. I don't really know if I was like, you know, I don't remember much of a clamor for hero, but obviously he's become a very good player. Um, I don't know who else I really, it was kind Cam of Johnson's the, the only other guy Cam that Johnson, really but jumped I, at me. Yeah, he, Reddish they, they got crushed total. for that. He was another guy in like the yeah. late 20s on a lot of right. boards. Um, I so. remember that draft. I mean, during that draft, like Kobe White was getting interviewed when Johnson got picked, and mm-hmm. some reporter said it to him, and he was stunned because yeah. they knew so that he wasn't going to get picked until yeah. later. You know, yeah. Goga, Vitaz, they got some buzz, but he hasn't really amounted much. Seku, I think, is out of the league. And interesting, when I saw him pre-draft, he looked so athletic. When I saw him on the Pistons, I don't know if he just never worked out or just slow. Or if it was just ground bound. Or if we got video of another player that that, (laughs) day. Yeah. There was some Um, rumblings there that he was older um, than than he was actually. He moved like he was older. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not 10 years older than he was actually listed as, but at least a couple of years. Uh, yeah. the, the Braden Clark one, like I, I'm sort of a closet Gonzaga fan just because I, I like watching them play a lot. And we went to Spokane for work. So like we got stuck watching them a bunch of times, but he was like Clint Capella for them. And Rui was like a marginal college defender and Clark yeah. cleaned up everything. Yeah. And I just thought like if this guy, like they did all this work to retool his shot, like the last part of that year. And suddenly he started drilling free throws and I was like, oh shit, like. This is worth the pick. So I remember tweeting that we got the wrong Gonzaga guy. I wouldn't have taken him at ninth, but I, I would have preferred Brandon Clark at 21 than Rui at nine. Mm-hmm. And now I flip-flopped that I, I like Rui a lot more than I expected to. But Now, this is another, another thing that, like, Keldon Johnson went 29th, Brandon Clark went 21st. A thing that has driven me crazy about, like, when, now obviously this is just me. If I see players that I think are good like that slipping, why right not yeah. jump back in and draft a value? Like they could have just because they drafted Rui, you already knew Rui and Clark knew how to play together. Mm-hmm. So they could have drafted the package and sold a whole Gonzaga marketing package, like, you know, which they've already tried to do. But like they could have done something like that. They could have jumped back up for Kelvin Johnson. But no, they take zips. Yeah, they took Admiral Schofield. So <laughs> so those are the other names. Daniel Gafford uh, went 38th in that draft. Yeah. Admiral Schofield is who we took at 42. The only names after him that like Isaiah Roby's had a little bit of cup of coffee stuff here. Talon Horton Tucker had some buzz. He went 46th. 
I watched Iowa State a decent amount in college. I did not understand how he would be an NBA player personally, so that doesn't bother me. Terrence Mann has been probably the best of that yep. group who went 48th. Mm-hmm. Um, Could have so, picked Quindari Weatherspoon just for the name. Agreed. Yeah. And he he's actually looked good in like G League minutes and stuff too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the thing with Schofield that was frustrating is one – is one there really wasn't that well that's not quite fair because you could sort of squint your way to thinking that he could be a three and d um it turns out he's really much more of a probably a, a six foot five center yeah, yeah. he was yeah. really but stiff like couldn't the, move yeah that was the other thing too is that he was built much more like like a football player yeah. and he needed flexibility he needed to to take a lot of weight off and get thinner and more flexible and more agile and that's the thing with like brandon clark and i think like it reminds me a little bit of Got to talk about Terry Taylor, right? But um, reminds me a little bit of Terry Taylor, just in that freakish quickness. And yeah. that quickness, even if you're not like 6'10", right? If you're 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and you're really quick and you can switch on to guys and you can jump, you know, th- th- you can find a role if you're willing to mm-hmm. to, to work. But the, the guy that the Wizards should have picked there instead of Schof- Schofield was Bull Bull. The, take a know, chance. This, you, you take the shot, you take the swing. I mean, right. this is a team that desperately needed to get lucky with a talent and he, bull has not done a damn thing, but he had first NBA. round talent. I mean, yes. Yeah. And so you pick he had him, some nice bubble you know? games, double bubble preseason games. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, but at the same time, you're right. They'll just take a chance. If it works out, he may have gotten minutes here that he wouldn't have gotten in. I mean, remember this is, in Denver. this is 2019. They're coming off of, you know, they, they stunk. Yeah. They're playing you know, Isaiah Thomas. I get talent. So wherever why not? You can get it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is my thing. And and maybe we can circle back around to this at the end, but I'm okay. If you take a guy like a total crazy roll of the dice guy in the second round, like if there aren't better guys available, so be it. Maybe there are better guys available, but you know what they are, or they're an archetype that's easier to get. If you see a guy that presents like potential value proposition, take him. Um, and, And that's kind of, why I liked the Isaiah Todd route. Um, again, we can get to what that is, but we had been so predictable in the second round, multiple years in a row um, between Schofield and Cassius Winston and guys that were never going to be anything more than like 10th men, best case scenario. So if you had just said, you know what, F it, we're totally changing our dynamic here. Like who has the most ceiling left here? Even if they've got the lowest floor, uh, I'm cool with it. Well, we right, can talk about the Todd yeah. one. Do you want to talk about it now or do you want to? <laughs> let, let, let's let's save like four more minutes here. All right. Um, okay. tw- 2020, Denny Avdia, we took him ninth. The name's the note. Uh, Devin Vassell went 11th. That was my guy in that draft. Um, I'll be very upfront about that. It's probably been comparable to Denny in terms of production, to be fair. Um, Tyrese Halliburton went 12th. That's sort of the name in retrospect that everyone right. points to. I don't remember hearing any buzz about him with the Wizards, though. Do you guys? I, I had him rated second in the draft. I, I do remember that. That is a Kevin yeah. Broom win. So I, I, there's no question. If I had been in that room, I would have been standing on the table for time. Tyrese <laughs> out. Yeah. So I didn't expect any to be no. there at yeah. nine. He would, the buzz was he was supposed to go for like maybe to Golden State potentially as high as there, but he was supposed to go in that four to six range. So I did Chicago not really even five, anticipate. I think was a rumor. Exactly. Exactly. So I was at that point. I was hoping Halliburton would be there at nine when Denny slipped. You know, I was like, I was perfectly fine with the pick. I thought the talent was there, but there are some skill things that we've talked about also at nauseum that are definitely, he's not anywhere near Halliburton and he's skill deficient in some areas that he needs to do a lot of work on. Yeah. 
the, yeah. the, the Halliburton thing for me, like, um, a friend of mine, the coaches, one of his kids was, um, about to go to Iowa state. We watched a good amount of Iowa state tape that year. And Halliburton had to pull up from like 30 feet because he had the weird shoot from the hip thing. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted was a three and D wing that year, more than anything <laughs> I've ever wanted, probably in my entire life. So I was all in on Vassell. I said, let's trade down, get Sadiq Bay. If we don't get Vassell, like something like that, like let's get a guy that can actually guard on the perimeter and shoot threes. And I didn't think Halliburton would shoot anywhere near the caliber. He's, you know, he's been as a shooter, at least not early. Um, so I, I fully admit I blew that one, but I did a like, 6,000 words for draft stuff leading up to that for Bulls forever. And no, nowhere in there does Denny Avdia's name appear. Yeah. Um, just I think he was basically ignored because yeah, there was an expectation that he would be gone by the yeah. time they picked. Um, I don't rec- <laughs> Maybe I'm like, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I have like visions of seeing Chris Miller talk about precious, precious that you were being high. Yeah, on he was big for list. them. And Jalen Smith was that year, right? Jaylen- J- Jalen Smith was there. Smith so, and, Smith and went tenth. Yeah, he went tenth. so I'd he actually played well board. in Indiana too. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious what their board was. Like if if Halliburton, you would hope that Halliburton was next on their list if he wasn't and not behind those guys. But you never know. Um, I don't think Tyrese Maxey was anywhere on, in the discussion. I didn't. I don't think he came in for a visit or anything like that. But that's what like really what drives me crazy. It's like one year, and, and uh, I hear it in the conversations now, like we need to attack get a three and D wing. I was like, no, we need a Halliburton. We need a maxi, a guy who in two years is a starting two-way player who can really be play, play alongside Beal and Porzingis and be considered part of that. We don't need the wizards. Aren't, aren't like oozing with talent where they can be specific and say, okay, we just want a role player. We don't want a good player. <laughs> we don't want like a high end starter. That's so it's like, and people say, oh, well, they're, the timelines are different. No, if you get the right guy, the timeline is not that different because it did not take Tyrus Maxim long. It did not take Halliburton long. You know, I mean, they talk about like the timeline being different, right? I mean, the Houston Rockets won, just going back a few years, they won a championship with Hakeem Olajuwon, who was approaching 30, and they had, what, Clyde Drexler was on that 35. Team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, their starting point guard was um, Sam Cassell, right? Is he a rookie so, that year? <laughs> I think that was Cassell, wasn't it? It was yeah. Cassell. It was Cassell. And, he was... Um, like Andrew, what was it? Andrew Lloyd? No, that's the cell was just out of Florida State at that time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the point being that you know, you can win with guys at a lot of different stages in their careers. Rajon Rondo as a rookie point guard for the Celtics uh, did pretty yeah. well, from what I I remember. I mean, if it's the right guy, it's the right guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> the Wizards definitely missed on a lot of. Guys, I mean, I I definitely missed on Desmond Bain. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he is. Um, I I had him rated about where he got picked, but yeah. it was like he's obviously very much exceeded that. That I, uh, that I had a another one. People quickly, were like suspicious about short him. arms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he he's another guy built like Admiral Schofield though, and that's yeah. part of what scared me away. Yeah, yeah, but he he can bend his knees <laughs> and hips. Is that important in basketball? Um, Maybe. I, I did not think particularly highly of Tyrese Maxey. I had him on my board about where he went at 21. So the fact that he's maybe one of the three best players from this draft is um, yeah, is a little surprising to me. Right. I didn't love him either. He's yeah, because he couldn't, he didn't shoot. Actually, I think remember Sam Vicini wrote it. He didn't shoot that well in high school. He was like a no. 30% high school three-point shooter. He didn't shoot well at Kentucky. Big time floater sudden, game though. 
Yeah, big time Florida game, but now he's added the three and the defense was always there. So now he's a complete player because the floater's there, the three's there, the speed's there, and the defense is there. Yeah. So that's a good, that's a great pick for Philadelphia. His teammate yeah. Emmanuel quickly was like super high on my board. Like he went mm-hmm. 25th. He's a guy I had like 11th. Um, just love, love, love quickly on that team. And he's been okay, um, you know, sort of regressed this year maybe. But anyway, they, uh, they rounded that draft out by taking Cassius Winston 53. There really isn't anyone after him. Hold on. Hold okay. on. It wasn't just that they picked Cassius they Winston. They traded down traded a lot down. to get Cassius They Winston. traded down uh, but from 37 to 53 yeah. so that they could also get rid of Admiral Schofield, who they could have just cut. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, no, I think he had guaranteed money. They okay. Had to get rid of the you guaranteed still money. Don't, cut yeah. It. It He's a second-round pick minimum. with guaranteed money. You just don't yeah, need yeah. that. Yeah. They just they decided to punt on the money. Yep. They also could have just, like, kept him and put him in the G yeah. League. For Maybe he turned into something. At least he'd be a guy that works hard for your G League team. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a very important disclaimer. I was going to circle back around to the guys that uh, went ahead of um, Mr. Winston that were better, but you know, guys like um, I loved Robert Woodard in that draft out of Mississippi State. Uh, he hasn't really done anything. Um, yeah. Saban Lee was a guy who went 38th that I really liked. Saban Lee is pretty good. He's really quick. I mean, Greek he athlete. popped up in in, yeah. in G League pretty good, and he's he's been. He's he got a chance at being a good point yeah. guard. Uh, yeah, Jordan Nora uh, out of Louisville has, has been really good for the Bucks and stretches this year. He shoots the shit yeah. out of it, which he could always do, right? I mean, he was a shooter. He just he looked like Admiral Schofield athletically, and that's why yeah. he fell where he fell. Yeah, Trey Jones, um, yeah, out of Duke, he's he's gone to um, San Antonio, and he, he was okay this season. He'll turn into a solid player. It'll just, I think it'll just take a couple of years, but he'll be a solid player. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, Nick Richards yeah. has played a little bit here and there for Charlotte. Man, uh, not really missing a whole lot there. Isaiah Joe, I think, has a chance to be a good NBA player for Philly. Uh, Justinian Jessup was a guy I loved at a Boise State. I still think he'll be an NBA player. Yeah. But if you were going to go the swing for the fences route, again, like the bowl bowl thing we're talking about, you take a Kenyon Martin Jr. or somebody yeah. that's like, you know, like top 1% of the world athlete. And instead you take Cassius Winston, who would maybe be one of the four most athletic people on this podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, no he'd one be, really went out. Top three him. for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, Cassius Stanley, another guy that went immediately after him at a Duke, really good athlete, you know, almost won a dunk contest or whatever, finished second. I mean, like just take a chance on a guy like that. A guy I wrote another like 2000 word article about was Paul Reed. Loved, yeah. loved, loved Paul Reed. He's been okay. Yeah. Doesn't really play a ton, but he's also on a really good team. So, um, yeah, I think if he went to a different team, he might get an opportunity to get some get some air. Also, if so. he had a different coach who didn't keep insisting on playing DeAndre Jordan for I some reason. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure top that one out. Top fifteen coach. Somebody. Top fifteen coach. Um, all right, and then let's get to the most recent draft here with the fifteenth pick. The Wizards uh, took Corey Kispert. I don't want to beat this one up too much here yet because it's it's such a small sample size. But some of the I other do. names that do <laughs> that do get mentioned: uh, Alperin Shingun, Bones Highland, uh, Cam Thomas, Herb Jones, Io Desunmu. Um, Those were kind of the guys yeah. that have been like just sort of better, you know. Like I think pretty easy to say better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So my issue, and this actually goes back, to, I'm glad Kevin said it earlier. They try to, uh, the Wizards try to get a skill. So yeah. last year it was like, we don't have three-point shooting. Let's get a three-point shooter. So they went for Kispert. Mm-hmm. Um, my issue with the pick is this. His value is on his rookie contracts. Sure. His value is going to go away once he goes to his second contract. Because, well, let's just, real quick, do either of you view him as a long-term starter? So then we're basically seventh man though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But shooting specialist seventh men get, we've seen get paid a lot. So after paying Davis Bertans, we've seen Duncan Robinson's gotten paid. We've seen Joe Harris get, get, gets paid. They're going to have to pay a lot of money if they want to keep him. And they're not good enough to pay 15 to $20 million for a reserve specialist who cannot defend. Um, And he's kind of like undersized for a three. He's, I think he's he undersized like for two. a four and too bulky and slow to be a three. Yeah, he's too slow for a three. He's like, he looks like more like, like not the tallest guy, not, not going to disrupt anyone at the rim. Doesn't give you the ball handling to pay the two. He's, but he's just right for a shooting guard. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, look, he's going to probably have a, a 50, 40, 90 season before, like he's off his rookie cut. He's, he's going to be a really good shooter, but you're not going to get anything else out of him. And the thing is this, like Kevin said earlier, you put the shooting in, you're losing something else. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, they could play him 20 minutes, 30, 25 minutes. And what's also junior seem to be, like to play him a lot of minutes while he's playing, you don't have defense. You don't get rebounding. You don't get length. You're a small team and you're putting a small, small forward yeah. next to your small shooting guard, who is your supermax player. And you're just a very small team all around. So where is, I don't see the upside here. Um, there are two, two players that I really love before that were Duarte and Moody. And unfortunately, they, they literally went yeah. two picks right before we picked. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if we would who we would have gone with. Um, I think they like Duarte. I think you mentioned like, that they I, like Duarte a lot. Yeah, yeah. I can like can 100% confirm that. Like the year yeah. before, they definitely loved Jalen Smith. I know that for a fact. They loved but, Duarte too. And, and again, it just drives me crazy because Duarte has more ball handling. He has more on-ball skill. He could be potentially someone you could pair with Beal. So it's like if you see a guy with a better overall skill set, jump up two spots and go try to get him. But so, yeah. so here, if you could. Yeah, agreed. And here's right. the thing, the, the, the age never bothers me. It's the context, right? If, yeah. if you know anything about Corey Kispert and his story prior to drafting him, everywhere he went, he was a late bloomer. He was a late bloomer in high school. This was a guy that they talked about redshirting. This is a guy that didn't produce right away. This is a guy that had to add to his game. First, he was a spot up shooter. Then he could attack close It's like he has been sort of methodically adding stuff to his game and he eventually gets there. But this is not yeah. a dude that at any level has come in right away and been like highly productive so that, mm-hmm. oh, he's old. So he'll instantly play for us. Never made sense to me from the start. Yeah. Yeah. I, the guy that I would have picked, of course, is Shengun. Um, I had him. I mean, he, he's wildly productive. Sure. He was. As an 18-year-old in a good league, a good professional league, one of the better professional leagues, um, you know, overseas, non-NBA leagues, and he was not that good. I mean, Kispert was better this season, as in terms of like rookie year. But with Sengun, the more fact upside. that he's, yeah, 19, and that he's doing stuff that you're like, you can see him trying stuff, and right now he's just like that, like that puppy that just will pee anywhere because you know, whatever. And sometimes he does something no great. You're yeah. like, this yeah. is the greatest dog I've ever had. And then there are other times where he's like peeing and pooping and, you know, chewing <laughs> on your best shoes. And, 
at this all at the same time because that's the player comp you all came here expecting to hear today, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, in terms of just like a talent play, right? You're trying to get to a point where your team is actually winning games. You 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 go with a guy like Shangun because your team sucks, and <laughs> and you've got a shot with him that he could. I mean, sure, he might bust out and be nothing, right? But you're picking fifteenth, right? I mean, it's not like that's the second round pick. You want to get somebody good, and like I said, he could bust out. He may end up being that he doesn't have an NBA position, that he doesn't learn how to defend, that he doesn't cut down on the turnovers, that he never starts making shots. That's all possible, but he could also sort of figure out how to start doing all of those things. And then you've got somebody that's like really special because you can see the flair, the style, the passion for the game. That's all there. And if he puts it together, that guy could be something sensational. And and they need that. They need, they basically they're they've ninth seed Tommy Shepard's first season. Then I think with a, yeah, they were the eighth seed last season. And then what seed were they? The 11th, this 11th or 12th in the East. They've, they're like a 35 win team. They don't need a single. They need a double, a triple, a home run, something bigger. Take so huge they swings took, and take a lot of them. They took a very, like, you know, they took a very safe swing, very high, a high floor, very low ceiling player whose value is going to be just for three, four years. And on his contractual value is going to be for three, four years. And it's just not what they need. They need something to add variance, to add upside, to, to lift their ceiling. And they didn't take that swing. And there's really no reason not to because, you know, I mean, is is Corey Kisper that irreplaceable? No, you could find someone with that skill set if you really needed to find that skill set. Not only just, could they find somebody with that skill set, they had someone with that skill set, <laughs> and they chased him away and were treated him so badly that he was ready to quit basketball. You know, his agent had to had to talk him into taking the job. I'm talking, we're talking Garrison Matthews for folks who don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, Garrison Matthews was ready to quit, and his agent talked him into giving it one more shot with with Houston, and now he's on a four year deal one of the few finds we've had you know undrafted in the last decade as well like looking at those um hits are are pretty low and we were literally like now nah, you're good bro go go wherever you want <laughs> um i i have this ongoing one-sided feud with john hollinger because uh i just love people that are hypocrites you know he says never draft a center in the first round but then has mobley and shingun in his top four um, so just things like that drive me nuts. So I, I, I waged an all out war uh, with him over Shingun and shit four on him. Fives. <laughs> just, just, just for that. Um, but at six, you know, at 15, that's where you take him. I wouldn't have taken him fifth, but mm. it's, it, it mitigates a lot of the risk when you're in the middle of the first round. Yeah. So, all right, let's get to the sort of flip flopped bigger swing. I think of the two picks, um, <laughs> The Wizards ended up with the 22nd pick, part of the Russell Westbrook trade, and then opted to take that and flip it for the 31st pick and Aaron Holiday. Um, I don't hate this. I didn't actually like a lot of the guys that came after. I didn't like Isaiah Jackson. You can say you saw him play four times this year, and he looked really good in those four games. I don't give a shit. He wasn't very good. (laughs) I don't think he'll actually be very good. And every year there's a him, there's a Paul Reed, there's long skinny guys that block shots and the other people that point people point to bones highland cam thomas these kind of guys every year there is a like a slew of shorter undersized shooting guards that could get you 10 points in a game you could find them undrafted there's the alonzo triers like 
This is a skill set you can get every year. It is very hard to get a six foot nine, six foot 10 guy that's very athletic and theoretically could be a shooter. So Todd was the guy. They brought him in. Uh, they loved the workout. I, I know this for a 100% fact that Todd was high, high, high on their board. How high is the question? Would he been the guy at 22? I think that's the reason why they felt comfortable trading down to 31. So rather than taking Todd at 22, they tried to also bring in a backup point guard. I get the logic. Now, has it worked out better for them? Well, Holiday was shit. Todd was shit this year. I mean, <laughs> I don't mind what they tried to do. It just hasn't worked out. Does it make it a terrible move? I don't think so, because you can get Bones Highland next year. You can get Cam Thomas next year. Like, I know these guys have had moments, but Dasun Mu, okay, great. Herb Jones, great. I liked those guys. I have a draft guide where I said these should all be first round guys and guys the Wizards should get. I wrote Herb Jones should be a consideration in the 20s for them. But, you know, there are those are guys you can get. If Todd actually pans out, that's a home run swing, whether it works out or not you know, is, is up for debate. So for me, I, I disagree with a lot of that, but the, the, I, I agree with the, the reasoning. The, the, the thing with Todd is that one, he, he was, he was pretty bad in G league and when they picked him, I mean, he, he could shoot the ball decently, but he, he did like, doesn't rebound, doesn't play make, he doesn't get assists, he doesn't block shots, he doesn't generate steals, um, didn't turn the ball over much. But, you know, it was like there, there was just there's nothing. He's not doing much out there. It's like the, all that athleticism reminds me a little bit of like Perry Jones in that respect, where mm -hmm. it's like he's a nice looking athlete. He, he seems to have nice skills and just nothing happens. And so, and then this year with the G League, it was the same thing. I just happened to look at him. Somebody was asking me about um, Dyson Daniel. Dyson Daniels and trying to compare the two. It's like, why would Daniels be worth like a top 10 pick? And, you know, Isaiah Todd was, went 31st and that may have been Daniels a, is a markedly day. better player this year. Not even close. Yeah. I mean, he, Daniels can't shoot. <laughs> He's, you know, 27% from three point range when in a league where as the joke goes, everybody shoots 37% in the team. Basically league. where Todd was this year too, right? Low, like low or high twenties, low thirties. Yeah. But I mean, Daniels also like, you know, like, what was it, almost like six assists for 40. He rebounded, actually out-rebounded Todd this season. Defends really well. Yeah. Defends. He he gets after, he produces steals like crazy. You know, he's just like, he's all over the place doing lots of things. And that's not Todd. Todd doesn't do that. And so it's like, what do you, when you look at that profile, it's like, what do you, what are you picking? Like, what's the, by what mechanism does like the motor come into the point where he's going after it and like, producing, you know, 12, 15 rebounds per hundred possessions or where he's starting to make plays for other people or he's hitting threes at a high rate. And so that's sort of like the, the, you, you trade out of the first round. I see. I mean, I can definitely see what you're saying. It's like, who are you missing out on? You know, nobody really, but this is the context thing again too, right? In, in high school, Todd was insanely highly uh, rated for or highly ranked for a reason, right? Like he, he was wildly productive at the high school level. He shot the shit out of it in EYBL and dominated guys that ended up going in like the top 10 in that draft. And then went basically as a raw player with like two and a half years of no real coaching and development. I think this is a situation where like COVID crushes somebody like that when you can't be... Yeah 
in a gym all the time. You get an ex- like a shortened G League bubble season of coaching and then basically nothing again. And the dude just runs around like a chicken with his head cut off. He doesn't know what to do on a court, but very rarely can a six foot 10 guy throw down a windmill from the block uh, in warmups and then go, you know, seven of eight from the three point line in the game. Now also the next game, next two games, he would go one of eight, but still it's, it's the theoretical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, again, I get, I get the logic behind it, but it's kind of one of those things where the wizards also just need productive players at a certain point. This kind of runs counter to what I was saying about Kispert in the first round. Um, I wouldn't say I'm trying to, I'm not countering that over here. What I'm saying is Isaiah Todd would have been fine to me in, in mid second, late second, because all those things that you had mentioned before, I think there are players and not, I wouldn't even say hindsight. They're just players that are ready to play that fill needs that second round value makes more sense. I think like they're like, uh, and I, I didn't say anything about Herbert Jones. You, you had seen him like a first rounder. So like you saw that. I particularly, the one player I particularly wanted was um, Jared Butler from Baylor. Mm-hmm. And I still think once he gets an opportunity in Utah, he's going to be a very productive player. Like he's shown some flashes here. I know there were some medical issues with him, but, mm-hmm. and it, it was more positional for me because the Wizards made the trade, that five team trade that same day. They had a ton of boards on the roster. They had to rebalance the roster. It just didn't make sense to me that they were not, they were drafting another forward. It's like, okay, at this point, hey, let's draft. Like if you look at their look at their depth chart right now, there's no young guard behind Bradley Beal on the roster. Yeah. So they have nothing in the pipeline, nothing developing. At that point, if you're gonna take a swing, take a swing on someone that you could develop, get a guard in your pipeline, someone that could potentially be a player, at least a backup level point guard down the road. And I think I think Butler has starting level level potential, but we'll see that'll play out over the next few years. I just if if Todd had it's it's also look this is all hindsight this is after seeing what we've seen he did not look great in the G League and then the very few minutes that he got kind of in garbage time the last ten games of the season he he would play against third stringers and still looked like the worst player on the floor so it's just a little bit of a red flag hopefully summer league a full summer development changes that but what we saw in very 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 limited minutes was scary bad. <laughs> So, yeah. Kevin, he'd be a great guy for a G League sample size EKG because the the way I saw Todd's season was here's one game of 18 points on 6 of 11 shooting where he went 5 of 8 from the three-point line and he mm-hmm. had eight rebounds, two blocks, two steals, and a monster dunk on somebody. And then the next two games were... Uh, he fumbled the ball at the rim. He dropped it out of bounds. Mm-hmm. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't finish over somebody that's never going to be athletic enough to be a rim protector in the league. And he went one of seven from three. So yeah. I, again, I'm not advocating specifically for Todd. I'm advocating for the logic of, I don't mind you taking a, a, a what you think is a big swing, whether we agree with it or not. Um, that That's sort of, you know, what we just shitted on them for over the last like three years prior to it was taking guys that had no long-term upside. Again, whatever Todd ends up being, there's upside there. And if he was going to be your guy anyway, if you add a potential, you know, Mm -hmm. young guard to that um, and get a two for one to get the same guy you wanted anyway, I, I just don't, that's why I don't fault them for what they did. It just may not work out. 
Yeah, I mean, but, but I would say like if if you're able to successfully like move down like nine ten spots and still get the guy, it's it is a bit of a maybe that could be a failure your, in scouting, right? I mean, that's yeah, that you maybe think why what are we what are we seeing that nobody else is seeing, <laughs> or what are we what are they seeing that we're missing? And mm-hmm. it, it would have me at least go back to think through that one more time that said i do like i said i see the logic in it and i mean if you really love todd for whatever reason i guess where i come down with this is it's it's a little bit like that sanan thing um or sanan thing where it's like you it's like what what do you what is it that you're seeing kuzma i think he's kuzma yeah but i mean kuzma kuzma got a whole run though well i mean kuzma's like he's He's solidly average he's very solidly yeah I think so, uh, so what, what, I guess we got to also define home run because, like, look, if you see Bobol's issue were injury related, there was legitimate top 10 in the draft upside if off court and health. Maybe all... he also only played nine college games. So, yeah, yeah. but like his productivity in college was like well, the few games he played was was like off the charts. Yeah. So there you was could... like a different. Yeah. You could see like, hey, it's yes, you knew the risk. You knew there was injury risk. You knew there was like rumblings that he wasn't all focused on the game but if you could get those you have the talent that actually has shown in a game before like to be at another level um when i say like home run swing i'm talking about like trade up get someone who teams covet in like the top half of the lottery for that like you know uh, sangoon to kevin's uh to kevin's point in his model rated very highly and a lot of people rated him very highly because of how efficient he was in the league todd didn't have any that's not the right word, but there was no like, there was no injury problem. There was no off court problem. There was just people evaluated him as a second round pick aside from, in, aside from us. And we were comfortable knowing that the rest of the league didn't, and we could move down to get him. Yeah. To me, it's like, the, there are also like profiles of players, like certain types of players. Like you take a Dewan Blair, for example, you go back a bunch of years, right? Obviously a weird dude, you know, short no knees and- as wide as no ACLs. Right. And, you know, the Spurs picked him in the second round and he was good for four seasons. And then, you know, and actually he was good for a fifth season because he went and played for Dallas. He was pretty good that year. And then when he came to the wizards, he it's gained weight done. and yeah. he was terrible, Yeah, you know, but that's still a successful pick. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Leon Poe is another example of a guy who, you know, repeated knee injuries um, the Celtics got him. He helped them win some games, you know, for a couple of seasons. I think he was on that championship team, um, played 60 some games for them that year. So, you know, it's like th- there are guys who are it, it's like kind of predictable of of the kind of success that you can expect from them. And so that that's sort of what I'm saying is with with Todd, for example, you know, what, what is, what, what there is there aren't, it there saying? aren't six, 10 guys in the NBA that are good shooters and good athletes that are productive in the NBA. I mean, that's, right. that's what they see. I mean, that, right. that's but the my, archetype. But my that's, point is though, that if you look at him, like if you look at a guy and in, in the G league, so if you're six ten and you're athletic and you can shoot, right. That, that shows up in the stat sheet that shows up in a lot of ways there are there are plenty of guys that don't do shit for their first four or five years of professional basketball and and end up pretty good players i mean just because you took a 19 year old guy and he's weak and didn't look good against grown men i I don't think that that like see but there are also i guess the question is did you draft him for the next team then 
And that's that's like but, losers don't have the luxury to draft somebody for their yeah. next team because there's no could, like could be the case. where right, but they they need someone who could be productive in their rookie contract. So they sign him to a four-year deal. And if it takes him four years, this isn't a guy that's gonna be you're gonna be fending off max offers for him in the second year or the second deal. I mean, you could bring him back on a second contract and, and see if he looks good. Your he has to show something six. for you to stick with him for five, six years. And He's played one year. Time. So, I mean, I, I think in three years, if we still say he hasn't mm-hmm. shown anything, then you don't. I think where I would come it. down with this is like, look, look, I, I completely understand the logic and I get what they did. I personally don't, I haven't seen like ever watched him. I was like, okay, you know, I haven't seen the flashes, but you watch much more. Than I have. Yeah, I, I would ignore know. the Wizards minutes entirely, by the way. Yeah, that, that was where but even I, in the G League, this. he was beginning like he was beginning to struggle down the stretch, I think. Right. Uh, looking yeah. at I yeah. would check out the game logs and totally fell work. fell off a cliff. But there was fell a middle a stretch and- in the year where every tweet was, holy shit, did we just draft Richard Lewis? Um, so it's. I mean, yeah, to me, it's I like mean, it, it's like within so many young guys is if, if he wants to work, I mean, like really work, if he wants to you know get stronger and work on his skills and work on his motor and work on his shooting. And I mean, every, everything then sh- sure. When they asked Brian and Shaw, then he got in trouble that one, like, I don't know. We still don't know what happened. It's just, that, sh- that shit happens to every, on, on, a, okay. on every team. Uh, though. It happens He's 19. To this team more often. Like, He's 19. You know, I, we I can't sweep everything. I don't care. Look, but we I don't know what happened. I don't care. <laughs> but when <laughs> but, you don't I mean, play 19. well, when yeah. you don't play well and you're a 19 year old, get suspended. You note it. You don't ignore it. You know, <laughs> they asked Brian Shaw who his favorite guys to coach were on the ignite team. And he said, Jalen green, is just an amazing human to be around. Great dude. Uh, Isaiah Todd is the hardest working person on our entire team. He plays with the most edge. He plays with the most attitude. And they said, and what about Jonathan Kaminga? And he said, well, I tell you, I had a great group this year. Um, like, so I don't know what that means, but you don't really go out of your way to compliment a dude for his hard work in that group if he doesn't work hard at all either. So, I mean, I'll just say this because that's another thing. Like they talk about this with like Denny Abdiel a lot. It's like he works crazy hard that he's like this super hard worker and all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, then why is his shooting still still bad? Why why doesn't he have a left hand yet? You know, it's like and so I'm just saying that when you hear about a guy who, who works hard and plays with edge and that kind of stuff, it's like, well, then why doesn't he get rebounds? Why doesn't he get steals? Why doesn't he block shots? Um, You know. I have personally seen Todd shoot jumpers after every Wizards home game that I've been yeah. to this year. Like I, I like shit like that. I think that's yeah. good. Now, unfortunately, a very small percentage of them went in most of those times, which is not <laughs> ideal when unguarded. But um, you know, those are things that players do that are typically good signs. Um, yeah. So again, I guess. But I would say ultimately, this we are talking. I mean, it is fair to be skeptical though, because we are talking sure. about a player who, yes, he's six ten, he could shoot. But he is six ten player who at the G League level shot thirty eight percent from the field and twenty eight percent from three. Yeah. So everything from here on out is pure speculation. Mm-hmm. The hard work is not translating to the floor yet. Sure, and it may so never. It may never. And like it's the first pick of the second round, which typically has is is a pretty good value pick. Like you could usually find an NBA player there, sure. and they haven't even found like as of now he's not even a good G League player. Sure. So maybe it changes. Again, it's to me, yeah. he has a high ceiling. If you want to argue that, that's fine. He also has an extremely low floor. Most of the guys that went after him have a marginal ceiling and a really high floor. So if you just tried two years in a row to take 
low ceiling, high floor guys, and they they didn't pan out, and you got killed for it, and you go the other way. I'm just saying, I get the thinking. He could end up being shit. I'm not. I'm not saying Tommy Shepard's whole future should ride on whether or not Isaiah Todd should pan out, but I also think, as a fan base, we just need to chill the fuck out a little bit about like this was always going to be a guy that took. <laughs> I, think, I, I know this. Right. But I think I think what it is is they had a first round pick and they basically turned it into a pro, a four or five year project. It was the twenty second pick of the draft. Isaiah Jackson is get, a four four year project too. You would hope you get something. I mean, right now what they have is they don't know what they have. And you if we're projecting even next year's roster, we're not projecting him to have any impact. Probably and we're projecting him to spend the entire season with the G League. So it's basically a total flyer. I think there's a middle ground between the Isaiah Todd's and the Cassius Winston's in terms of playing it safe for swinging hard. There's got to be a middle ground where you just a middle ground that they're not playing. <laughs> Don't disagree. Had Bones Highland higher on my board. Would have rather had Bones. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm not even defending Todd as a pick. I'm just defending the logic. That's all. And yeah. and you don't have to agree with it. That's just where I'm coming from. So yeah. Whatever they do, they're going to get it wrong and we're going to hate on them for it. And we're going to do this in five more years. And there's going to be probably five years of equally depressing shit to talk about too. And we have a top 10 pick potentially, maybe even lower. I don't know, to talk about next year. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they might get up, move up to, can they move up to ninth? No. So they can be one through four, uh, which they have a 20-ish percent chance of being in the top four. Um, the majority of their percentage chance is 10th. So I think there's a 19% chance they could fall to 11, a 1% chance they could fall to 12 and then like sub 1% 13, I think. And then zero beyond that. So, so, okay. They're going to be 10th realistically. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, And what I'll say for this draft, swing big with a highly productive, high upside player, do what you got to do, move up, make sure you get, um, just pick the best guy. (laughs) That's it. Whatever position, Matt, you know who I want. It's what Matherin. Matherin, Sharp, or Davis. One of those three, go get one of them. Just go get them. Don't let leave it to chance. <laughs> so so just to pick at that a tiny bit, though, highly productive, high potential guy, usually don't last the 10, right? Like if you put up big numbers and have big upside, very rare that you're getting to that point in the draft. And that's yeah. sort of what I worry about. Yeah. Well, I think you have you have the top four in this draft already. Uh, sure. We could all agree that there is a four mm-hmm. and then there's the next Fortunately for them, you also have, you have those three that I mentioned. Keegan Murray is highly productive, so he kind of fits in there. Yeah. Um, is he high upside though? I don't know, but I've seen him mocked as high as five. Sure. I could see him sliding, but he's there. I think Sochan from Baylor is going to be someone that intrigues people after workouts. Yeah. I think there's a. I don't know if I don't think Benedict, I don't think Davis, I don't think Sharp are going to slide all the way to ten. But that's kind of that whole discussion before. If a guy's there at eight, then. We're a team that cannot, is not okay. a free destination. That is not, if you see someone that you identify with an all-star upside, don't just wait for the draft to play out and take whoever's left over. Go up and get them. Yeah. Because that's their only chance to get a star. Yeah. I, I would trade every one of the young forwards and mm-hmm. this year's 10th pick to get Sharp at sixth or somebody yeah. that at least projects Absolutely. as a star. You can always backfill role players. Exactly. Yep. 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 Exactly. All right. We're going to beat that up more in future episodes, I think, here. Maybe if we get really just um, sadistic over the course of the summer, we'll go back the previous decade of draft picks, even beyond the ones we just did. Uh, that might actually be interesting to look at. because um, We need an Isaiah Todd episode with Isaiah Todd on. Don't get me started, man. <laughs> I hyped the G League up more than any person in the Washington, D.C. area. 
And all year they dicked me around about getting G League players on this team. So uh, or getting on G League players to appear on this podcast. So um, G League team, if you're listening, you, you owe me an interview of somebody. It'd be nice to get Todd. <laughs> Uh, all right. This has been Believe in Wizards. This has been So Wizards. This has been Bullets Forever. This has been all of the above. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. There's a ton of off-season to kill here, so let us know what you want to hear us talk about. And uh, I don't know. We'll get to it uh, over the course of the next couple months, I think. Until next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.